we first started to hear about what was happening in Shemini Atzeres and Simchas Torah, we were all in a state of shock and horror. And then we learned more. And the emotions were just overwhelming. And that first week, there was a real sense of, of the fire, needing to do something, needing to make big changes within ourselves, within Kalal Yisrael. And then we had the second week and the third week. And in reality, nothing has changed. What took place on October 7th took place. The families devastated by that are devastated. People held in captivity are still there. There's been a holding pattern of sorts. And now what we hear when we read sounds like our troops are going into Gaza and what the next week or two or three will look like. Only Kodesh Baruch who knows. We pray and we anticipate Nisan and Ritz Hashem. But because this is now three weeks, there's almost a sense of, of I don't know what to feel. I don't know that I'm feeling enough. The lady share we have every Shabbos after Yiddish, somebody asked a question last week, which I thought was very insightful. The question was, what do I do if I feel somewhat guilty that I'm not doing enough? We hear incredible stories about young men leaving their families, leaving their wife and children, going to Eretz Yisrael to join their unit. We hear incredible stories. I spoke to Chatzko Bennett last week, the head of Hatzala here in Boca. Him together with Yoshi, with a sense of Musiris Nefesh and courage. They went there to Israel to be helpful. When I asked them the question, where are you staying? Where are you stationed? The answer was, wherever we're needed. In Sterot, if it's up north, wherever there's a place where there are Yidin who couldn't need help, we're there to serve. And that's a level of courage, that's a level of bitachon that we look at and we stand in awe. And we admire those people and we admire those decisions. But then there could be that gnawing feeling. Okay, so what am I doing? It's hard to get through the day. Even if this wasn't happening, it's hard to get through the day sometimes. We have a lot of responsibilities, Baruch Hashem. Life is always hectic. There's a lot I'm just trying to keep up with and stay above water. It's not an easy thing to go through our daily experience. And now, three weeks into this new, very strange and, and scary reality, I think we're all asking ourselves, am I doing enough? Maybe I'm feeling guilty that I could be doing more, but, but what does that look like? So I want to share with you this evening an idea that really focuses on one of the unsung heroes throughout history. One of the unsung righteous women that we read about in Chomish. Not even Rachel Imenu. 
as the art side we uh, observed on Thursday. I want to focus on the personality not as well known. Her name was Hagar. Was Hagar a righteous woman? What do you say? Yeah. We don't know that much about her. <clears throat> However, when you look through Chazal, you get a little bit of a glimpse of who she was, where she came from, the growth that she had as a person over 10 years living with Avram Avinu and Sari Menu, to the point where she was Roy. She was on that level to be connected to Avram. Hagar, we know, from this week's Parsha, was given to Avram to Hashem, have a child. And Rashi shares with us the famous Chazal that really she was born as a princess and her father said, after experiencing some of the, the supernatural things that took place with Avram and Sarah, he said, I'd rather have my daughter be a shivcha in the house of Avram and Sarah, let her be exposed to that Kedusha and Tahara rather than stay here in nobility. He gives his daughter to a Roman sorrow. She's greeted by Malachim. By a show of hands, how many of us have had personal conversations with a Malach before? <laughs> Let alone greet. That's a pretty clear indication that she was a very special, uplifted, righteous person. Where did she have this encounter with the Malach? Ber Lachai Roi. That was the name of the location. Yitzchak Avinu, the great Ola Tamima, he would go to a special place to daven and meditate and connect with Hashem. Where would he choose to go? What was the holy place that he could think of? Ber Lachai Roi, because that's where Hogar had her communication with the Mulachim. Eliezer was with Avram and Sarah for about 67 years. Yet we find in the 10 years of Hagar living with Avram and Sarah, she reached higher levels of spirituality and connection than Eliezer. However, when the time comes, we read about this morning, where Avram is forced to send her away, the Torah tells us, He sent Hagar away, and she went Vitesa and she lost her way in the Midbar. Losing her way is not just a geographical issue, she didn't have ways and or Google Maps. But Rashi says, Telech Vitesa meant that after everything she accomplished and all of that kedusha that she absorbed by being around of Rav and Sarah, Vitelech Vitesa is she lost her way philosophically, and she went back to her old habits. She went back to that which was familiar. Good old-fashioned Avodah Zarah. What a tragic story, right? A young lady that came so far, that had so much potential. You, you, you can imagine climbing into her head the, the bright future she envisioned together with Avram and Sarah. And now she has a sense of rejection I'm not good enough, I'm not wanted. 
Betelich Betes, and she goes back to old-fashioned Avodah Zarah. However, what's surprising is that we learn about in Parshas Chaya Sarah, after Sari Menu passes away, who does Avraham remarry? He marries Hagar. She's referred to as Keturah. But the Medrash tells us Keturah is Hagar. Why in the world would Avram go back to Hagar after seeing that decline, that tragic Yerida that took place? She left everything. He was spending his life fighting against the Vodazara, <coughs> fighting against that primitive, barbaric way of life that was viewed as the norm of that ancient society. And she went back to that norm. Why in the world would Avram Avinu want to marry Hagar. So I want to share with you an unbelievable <coughs> explanation from the Yafei Torah. The Yafei Torah is one of the commentators we have on the, on the Medrash, going back to the 16th century. Listen to these words carefully, because there's so much here. Says the Yafei Torah, even though she was wandering here and there with the bitterness of soul, she felt rejected. She didn't give everything up. And he explains further. Even though she turned her back on Avram, and everything that he stood for. She turned her back on monotheism and the morality that Avram was bringing into the world. She rejected that. Nonetheless, there were certain things that she did not allow herself to do, no matter how bitter and rejected she felt. Keturah literally means she was tied. She was tied to Avram Avinu. So yes, it's true. She had this decline. She had a Yerida when it came to her intellectual perception of life, her philosophy, her Rashkofa Sachayim. But she didn't lose everything. What the Yafei Torah seems to be saying this is something I think we can all relate to, is that naturally, when we're in a situation of mar nefesh, when we're in a situation of darkness, it is so easy to let go and to give up everything. To be able to hold on to something that you know is true, even in this vast sea of darkness and confusion, that's a Dover Choshev Ma'od. That's something that's very special. She didn't lose that connection to Avram. She didn't allow herself to get remarried, although she had offers. Her Shidduch resume, you could imagine, was incredible. I spent 10 years at the best seminary on the planet in the house of Avram and Sarah. But Keturah, she kept that bond. We have a tendency that we can look at ourselves and we can look at life in the all or nothing perception. If I'm not doing everything I think I can and should be doing, 
So then why even try? <coughs> I should be saying to heal him every day with his lavos. And if and when I get a chance to say to Hillam, I, I don't have Levin Nefesh, I'm not so into it. I should be pouring out my heart to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but life is so hectic. And I rarely have a chance to do that in a meaningful way. The natural response would therefore be, just forget it. You're clearly not connected. And um, you should feel guilty that we're not doing our part in being mishtatev and partnering with Klal Yisrael. That's the natural response to not being able to be the person we think we can and should be. Why even try? What was the greatness of Hagar? What was that, that, that beauty within her neshama that was shining so brightly that Avraham Avinu said, even though you went back to Avodah I still see your godless. I see your greatness. I want to marry you. Because she didn't give everything up. She understood if there's anything I can be doing, I'm going to do it. And it might be difficult, and I might have a psychological defense mechanism telling me it's not worth it because I'm not doing other things, but I'm not going to allow that to poison my fire. If I could hold on to something, I could be a keturah, I could be connected to a Ramavinu, nothing else is going to get in the way. I was just in LA uh, for a few days visiting my mother. And it was a difficult visit. She's had Parkinson's for now about 13 years. So I wanted just to spend some quality time. The last time we were there as a family was in the summer. So I went solo to, to hang out a little bit. It happens to be it was Bashert, because when I was there, she really wasn't doing well. And through conversations with my brother, we decided we had to take her to the emergency room. She was admitted, and Baruch Hashem, it seems like they're, uh, they're on top of it, and she's doing better than she was. When we get to the hospital, a very sweet man comes over. And he starts asking questions and taking notes. And then he helps my mother. She's in the wheelchair. And he's pushing her. And you can tell that there's like a real compassion. And when we get to the room, he turns around, I see, on his jacket it says volunteer. Hmm. So I said, wow, it's so impressive. How, how often do you volunteer at the hospital at Cedar Zion? And he said, Truth is, right now, I could do about three days a week, so I try to do that. Depending on my schedule, if I can do more, I'll do more. And we schmoozed for a little bit, and I was just so taken, I was so impressed. Here you have a person, and he just, he wants to spend his time helping others. <coughs> do I volunteer for anything? But then it hit me. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Most of what we do, and I'll say this with confidence, I'm sure some of us have a chance to volunteer for certain chassadim, and that's incredible. But the vast majority of chesed and emes and compassion and love that takes place with everyone here and your family, it's not volunteer work. That's your achrayas, that's your responsibility. 
This is my role as a wife, as a mother, as a friend. Why am I caring for you? Because I have to. And then I thought about it deeper. What's the greater schus? What's the greater accomplishment? Volunteering for a chesed? That's amazing. And if we do have extra time, and we can, there are so many incredible organizations out there to volunteer for. And it could be a life changer. But if I don't have time to volunteer and do chesed out of my home, the realization of following through with my responsibility, with my role as a mother, as a wife, or as a friend, you're accomplishing more when you're living up to the task that the Kaddish Baruch has given you. See, we tend to judge ourselves in this all-or-nothing perspective instead of just pushing and asking, what can I do right here, right now? See, there's a fundamental piece of bitachon which comes into play. And that is, if we're here, if we're living in Boca Raton, Florida, that's where we happen to be right now. You know what that means? That means we're exactly where HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed us. And we all have our own unique, different journey as to how we might happen to be here right now. And if I'm not able to join the IDF in that capacity, or to participate in Hatzalah, and go to Sterot to be there to help others, it doesn't mean that my existence or my participation is in any way bidiyevit. It's not, well, I, I wish I could be doing that, but based on my life circumstance, this is all I can do. If this is all I can do, this is everything that I must do. And we don't view our participation <coughs> living up to the role and responsibility we have in any way lesser than what's happening in Eretz Yisrael. I want to share with you an incredible line from the Chafetz Chaim in his introduction to the Sefer Chafetz Chaim. He says that the Chazal tell us, I'll call rega verega she'odem chosen piv. For every moment, I'm able to refrain from saying something that I know I probably shouldn't be saying. Zoche l'or ha'gonu she'in kol malech obriya yochel l'shayer. I am zoche to this light that none of the malachim are even able to envision. And explains the Chafetz Chaim. The Medrash does not say that if I could be chosim piv for a whole day, or a whole month, or a week, it says, For every moment I'm able to be misgaber, to tap into that inner strength, that inner dignity that I have from the neshama, even though for the last 20 minutes maybe I was speaking in a way that was derogatory. Maybe I was sharing negative things that I really shouldn't be speaking about. Okay. But if right now I could be Hossein Piv, Ein Lishayer, we can't fathom what kind of impact that has on ourselves and Klal Yisrael. In the town of Rabin, 
there was one particular week where a lot of the Russian soldiers were coming home, and a lot of them were Jewish. Right? Jewish men taken into the army. Not a very uh, healthy environment for young Jewish men to be in, but they had no choice. So the people of Rodin got together, the women of the community, to make sure not only would there be food for the non-Jewish soldiers, but there would also be kosher food for the Jewish soldiers. And they worked days and hours getting everything together, a whole beautiful buffet of kosher food. And then when all the soldiers came into the city, all the townspeople were there watching. And they saw the Jewish soldiers go to the kosher food and they had such a sense of nachas and accomplishment. And the young men devoured the kosher food with the gusto. And then they went to the other line for the non-kosher food and they devoured that with the gusto as well. And they thanked everyone living in the city. They were gonna be there for three days altogether. So the women came to the Chafetz Chaim and they said, um, I'm glad we were able to be helpful in some way, but I think for the next two days, we're gonna stay out of this. Why should we spend time, money, effort, getting together all the kosher food when they don't care? Unfortunately, they're gonna eat the tray food anyway. And Chafetz Chaim said back, you're 100% right. They're gonna eat the tray food anyway. But every bite of the kosher food that they're consuming, they're eating kosher. And that's part of their satiation, and they're not going to eat as much tray. That's a dover choshuvad ba'od. That's something that is worthy to spend more time and more money and more effort. They're going to also eat kosher. Chabot continues, and he says, how can we awaken ourselves? How can we get to that point where even if I can't be the perfect person I envision, or in our situation, even if I can't be doing something that I feel is more directly impactful, how can I make sure I'm living up to my role and my responsibilities? Writes the Chafetz Chaim, it's all about laser focus on what does a Kodesh Baruch Hu want from me right here and right now? What can I do? I'm not in a great mood, but I'm going to smile at my child anyway. My husband is annoying, at least in this particular interaction. And I don't have that much patience, because the whole day has been annoying. Okay. But Basher Husham, right here, right now, am I able to tap into that Gavura? What would I do naturally? just take my phone out. Because it's a nice way of being able to ignore him, but not have to have a conversation. So I'll just look at my phone and check my emails and nod cordially. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, and then eventually we'll, we'll be okay. I'm not gonna do that! I'm gonna put the phone away, and I'm gonna have a real conversation, and I'm going to smile. That smile does more for Claudia Sorrell, potentially, than being on the front lines. Ultimately, all of our participation as a nation, the achtos that we're feeling, which is so incredible, we understand that we're all playing our part. The way any person plays their part is through their mesiras nefesh, 
Sometimes that comes in the form, Rahmana Litzlon, of Mamish Moser Nafshu al Kiddush Hashem. And that's a Mesiris Nefesh. But sometimes the Mesiris Nefesh is, I can't believe I have to go to the Grove now because there are no parking places. And that seems so trivial. But you know what? That's also a Nisoyo. How am I going to deal with that Nisoyo? I tap into the Sirius Nefesh and I understand this is my Nisoyun. HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed me here. My interaction with my child, with my husband, with my friend, being there to support her, all of that is just as crucial in fighting and winning this Muhammad than anything else. The Friday night, the first Friday night after hearing about this. So for... Generally, we, we sing a lot during Friday night. We dance around, and we're not going to change anything. Sim Cheshel Mitzvah, we don't change. So I got a text from someone in the community, a good friend of mine, who happens to be an incredible Balt Fila. And he asked, you know, if you have no one else yet for Friday night, can I daven for the Omer? So I said, of course, that would be incredible. It happens to be that Friday, there was a video that went viral. I had my daughter send it to me of the Chayal. It's hard to say it over without getting choked up. You know, but a young man who was basically telling Kalal Yisrael, celebrate Friday night, David, sing, and if you don't generally sing, sing and dance, because I'm not going to be able to. I probably won't have a chance to daven. Do it for us. So that Friday night, this young man daven for the Amud. And I've been here for 11 years. It was the most electrifying Friday night we ever experienced as a community. The energy was palpable. The achdus was, was, was tangible. The simcha shall mitzvah, even mitoch lechoshech, even within the darkness of the moment, was so incredible. It was a Friday night that I think everyone there will remember for the rest of their lives. Walking home with my daughters who were there as well, my older daughter said to me, I think we can fairly say that we fulfilled the request of that chayah. Speaking to the person to daven a couple days later, he explained to me why he asked to daven. He said, I feel very disconnected. I feel like I can't do much. The one thing that I have, my, my talent, is music, is being able to stir the tzibur with song. So I texted you on Thursday. What was the last time somebody texted the rabbi on Thursday, can I dive in Friday night? That never happens. And I wrote a note to myself, he said, that I had with me while I was davening. And that note said, this is my tafid, this is my weapon. He understood fully. This was his contribution to Kuala Yisrael.
the emunah and the bitachon is that we are here and we're here for a reason. And in any life circumstance that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has placed us in, as individuals and as families, this is not b'diavet. This is lachachila. This is mahadrin min mahadrin. And I know and I believe with confidence that every small step in embracing my responsibility and my role as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as a daughter, as a sister, I know I'm doing my part in the Hatsola of Klal Yisrael. I want to leave you with one point. And this, I think, is unique for the Mashevitz of Kaliyos, the women in Klal Yisrael. Isha is the same gematria as the Bash. Isha and the Bash are both 306. And this is spoken about in many of the Sifri Machshava. Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein asked his great father-in-law, Rabbi Yosef Sholem al-Yoshev Zechet Tzadlik B'Kodosh Lebracha. He asked him, how did you understand this connection between Isha and Vibash? And Rabbi Yosef explained as follows. He said, honey has a very unique quality. When you get honey in the raw form, you have little pieces of the insect, little bees legs inside the honey. And therefore, all honey should be absolutely treif. However, there's a unique chemical reaction that takes place in the bash, where it's able to almost absorb those pieces of the bee and transform them into halachically a state of divash. That's why honey is kosher. Rabbi Yoshev said, that's why Isha is the same gematria as divash. Women as the Akeras of Ayas, and really the core of the Mesorah and Klal Yisrael all throughout the Doros. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Akeras of Ayas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Noshim, the ability of the vash, of being able to take some of those pieces of friction, tension, stress, disconnect, and through their natural rachmanas and through their natural clarity and their natural spirituality with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, they can change and transform the tension and the stress and the disconnect into the sweetest thing in the world. It's a very special quality with Nashim. I think our bracha, as we leave here tonight, is that as we go further into this unknown, we don't make the mistake of feeling, if I can't do more, I can't do everything, then what I'm doing is not worth anything. But rather, we think of Hagar. Hagar was not one of the Imahos, but she was a very righteous person. And it started from the fact that she didn't give up on herself and she realized, even though I might have taken a Yerida, holding on to Dover Shubha holding on to something special, is that which I need to do. And every little moment, every interaction, every smile, every embrace, every word of chizik that we can share with each other, that's our tafkid right now, and those are our weapons. Hashem, these small actions should have a massive impact on Klal Yisrael 
and we should see the Korov Mamish, Yeshuos, the Nahamos, and Nisim Guruyim. Good luck.